0: And it's another week, another edition of the College 12 Pack. I'm your host, Patrick Conn, senior editor of uh, .com. With that, with me, as always, Tyler Natuno of the LSU Tigers Wire. Uh, Tyler, we got a, a packed show this week. Uh, I, I am glad to report that news broke before we sat down to record this podcast, as opposed to previous weeks where we talked about something, and then not even two hours later... It all came to a head. Um, Big news out of Northwestern. Feels like we're doing a Northwestern update every week. Skip Holtz, special advisor to the head coach. While he's still a sitting USFL (laughs) head coach, uh, Tyler, can you make sense of this? Because uh, to me, it doesn't quite make a whole lot of sense.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I can kind of see the logic behind it. I mean, bringing in a guy with head coaching experience for this situation makes a lot of sense, right? Like David Braun is a guy Mm -hmm. who we've talked about before, like is, is a newcomer to not just being a head coach, but newcomer to the FBS ranks in general has two years of uh, play calling experience. So like at division at the division one level, actually not even FBS because he came from North Dakota state. So yeah, like I think bringing in a guy and skip Holtz who, you know, has a lengthy tenure as a head coach, kind of up and down, but pretty solid. I I get it to an extent. What's interesting to me here, I guess, is the question of, like, is he a guy to watch for the permanent job here? I mean, I would say, like, if Braun... I mean, the expectations going into this year at Northwestern are not, like, absurd. So if Braun can just kind of... Coast, I think he's got a pretty good shot of keeping that job full time. But if they overachieve and, you know, maybe the brass credits Holtz for that, maybe he becomes a candidate. I mean, like you said, he's kind of got his own gig already. He's, you know, won back to back titles in the USFL with the Birmingham Stallions. So, you know, would he leave that for Northwestern? Probably because it's a lot of money. Um, But yeah, I just think that to me is interesting because, like I said, you know, bringing in a guy with experience makes sense. And then the other side of that coin is. You know, is this a guy to watch is potentially, you know, angling for the full-time job?
0: Yes. Uh, that, that's a tough one. I mean, and it's not like Skip Holtz doesn't have experience at a high level at the collegiate level, right? Um, yeah, the, the expectations are going to be really low. But at the same time, dude, Braun just felt like the move they had to make regardless. Um, nobody's out there right now ready to make a move to take over a program less than a month from kickoff, you know, and and so they had to make that move. Skip Holtz, yeah, it's a smart move, I think, and that would be interesting if Skip Holtz ultimately ends up being the head coach. Uh, We'll see as the coaching carousel spins. It's already started spinning, which is crazy to me. Uh, But let's get into the big thing that everybody's talking about right now, Pac-12 media deal. Report came out yesterday. Oh, I'm sorry. Report came out on Tuesday because uh, you're probably listening to this on a Thursday or Friday. Uh, on Tuesday, it came out. Pete Dammel reports, Apple TV, that's the deal, very similar to MLS. Uh, but the big caveat here is, <laughs> oh, you want to make money, uh, Pac-12 schools? Uh, we're, you're going to have to sell subscriptions. Uh, this feels like George Klyakov, however you say his name, I'm sure I'm butchering it. Uh, it kind of feels like he went to Larry Scott and said, hey, can I copy your homework? Off, you know, the last media deal they did, uh, Pac-12 uh, Network needed to sell subscriptions as well. Uh, the jokes are flying, Tyler, uh, with this deal. And I, I don't think anybody's surprised by that.
1: Yeah, it's been a bit of a fun week in the Pac-12. And by that, I mean, it has not been a fun week in the Pac-12. Um So let's not bury the lead here too much because... Apparently, Friday news dumps no longer exist, and now the prime time to drop news is Wednesdays around 6 p.m. Eastern. Because last week, just hours after we recorded, Colorado, obviously, you know, news starts to leak that they're leaving the conference. And you know, now other people are following suit. I mean, we could be looking at a breakup of the Pac-12, and this is all significant when it comes to the media deal, because obviously not having Colorado in for this round of negotiations probably devalues the conference a little bit. Look— we don't know the figures of this Apple TV deal, at least definitively. Uh, most of that's kind of remained pretty ambiguous. But what we can pretty much say definitively is it's not going to pay out as much on a per school basis as the Big 12 deal did um, a couple months ago. And, you know, it, this deal is going to, you know, if, if this were agreed to, it would be a fully streaming deal. And like you mentioned, this brings a whole level of, 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 of questions about, you know, who's going to actually pay for this product right because like i mean i don't have apple tv but from what i under apple tv plus but from what i understand you know so they you'd have to pay the baseline subscription fee but also so they have like you said the mls package that's an additional i think like 60 bucks a year or something like that i'd assume so the, the way 12. it
0: works uh, not to interrupt but the way it works no, is they're paying 79.99 if you're an apple plus subscriber mm-hmm. if you're not
1: it's 99 yeah. so there's different yeah tiers. so i mean, Yes, yeah, so, I mean and I would assume that any Pac12 package would probably be like about that price if not more expensive. Like are people really going to pay for this to watch like Oregon State and Cal? I don't know. Here's like, my I, deal.
0: If I, if if SEC came out with SEC plus only on Apple TV, I would buy that right now. You cannot convince yeah. me to buy the Pac12 package.
1: I mean, There's honestly, not a game I might have that I want to see I'm an absolute psycho, so I might, but like I am, I do this for a living and I love college football and I am debate, like it's a debate for me. I don't know how any, you would convince any casual fan to go for that. That's not just like a diehard Cal fan or whatever. Are, but, are you but, saying that you're part of the Sicko committee? I, you know, I, I am, I do consider myself part of the Sicko committee. Card-carrying member, Tyler Nichino. Card-carrying member. But so, yeah, I mean, like, this is just a really tough situation. It's a hard sell. I mean, obviously, I think the Pac-12 wants to get this done as soon as possible. They met with the teams. Nothing's done. Looks like they're going to have to meet again. I don't think this is a very compelling offer. And when you've got potentially half the league, if not more, looking to jump ship, I don't know if this is going to save you. So that brings me to my next topic,
0: Let's talk about it. Real I'm in Havoc. I'm excited about this. Uh, we could have Havoc. Uh, you know, when I wrote my notes for this podcast, Tyler, we did not know that Havoc was coming. But the Big Ten, uh, according to a report from Dan Wetzel, and it has been confirmed by several other insiders, the Big Ten is looking at four schools, four, count of four, of uh, Pac 12. Uh, we're talking Stanford Cal, those are the throw ins. <laughs> but they want the big dogs, Oregon and Washington. Um, that would leave the Pac-12 with uh, five schools. Oh, wait, Arizona, Arizona State, Utah all rumored to go to the Big 12. So that would leave the Pac-12 with, um, if my math is correct, two. Uh We could be upon realignment havoc. And the two schools that kind of seem like they're left out in the dust, Oregon State, Washington State, I don't know what to make of that.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, you know, the the developments and we'll, we'll get into this more a little bit in a second. But, you know, the developments with the Arizona schools, with Utah, that was, you know, that's one thing. And that's, I think, a blow. I think if they lost those schools, it would hurt a lot. But I don't think that's necessarily like the death blow to the conference. But, yeah, this was pretty much the worst case scenario. Um, the Big Ten coming calling for Oregon and Washington. That's what I think everyone was afraid of if they go and if they just go with the all academic angle and take Cal and Stanford too, like, yeah, I think we're witnessing the breakup of this conference. And I mean, so, I mean, obviously, you know, Wetzel's report seems to confirm the big 10 looking to expand the, these PAC 12 teams are not the only candidates they're looking at, just to be clear. Like there's been rumors about Florida state being involved about Clemson being involved, but both those schools are under current grant of rights deals that have more than a decade left on those contracts. So, I mean, what, I mean, what is it they're They're estimating Florida State would owe like three hundred million dollars in an exit fee if they tried to leave right now.
0: Yeah, according to Jeff Swain, that would be yeah. the three hundred million. Clemson's, we know, is probably north of a hundred million. Nobody's paying nine figures to get out of that deal, r- at least right now. I don't think. Yeah. Uh, but it makes you wonder if that buyout number is really is diluted a little bit, and, and we don't have the real numbers because if you remember Texas and Oklahoma one year left on their grant of rights deal had to pay a hundred million to get out of that, uh, to get out of the big 12. So they could go to the SEC. Uh, But, you know, so the numbers are swirling around, but yeah, you know, and I don't know if it's the big 10, that's going to be the death flow, the big 12 that's going to be death flow, or if they're just going to tag team and do it at the same time.
1: Yeah. And and I think, you know, one thing I do real quick before we move on, I do think it's worth pointing out that the uh, head of, I believe he's the head of the board of regents for FSU um, has has gone on the record and is basically saying that the the grant of rights deal is not going to be the obstacle that keeps Florida State from leaving the ACC if they want to. So, I mean, they seem to think it's viable. We'll see how that actually plays out when we have a better feel for what the actual numbers are and stuff. Um, but I think, you know, going back to what this could all look like, like you said, if, if the Big 12 and Big 10 kind of at the same time come in and treat the Pac-12 like a buffet, I mean, if you really do get left with, like, Oregon state and Washington state. And then like maybe the big 10 leaves Cal and Stanford B. But if that's your group, I mean, truthfully, your options at that point, I, I think are like merged with the mountain West. And that's about it. Like, I, I don't know what else you do. And we're going
0: to get into all of that and what this could mean in the grander scheme uh, pretty soon, but let's, let's talk about those corner schools. Uh, Arizona, Arizona state, Uh, We know the Board of Regents met earlier this week, not even 30 seconds after they started their meeting. (laughs) They went to an executive convenion. Cut the feed. Cut the feed. They didn't want anybody to know what they were talking about. I I think it's a formality. We know what they're referring to. They have an invitation on the table to the Big 12 with guaranteed money Uh, because I don't know how you convince these school presidents and athletic directors to put together a budget based on what you – could make. Uh it seems like a uh, this may might it might be a formality at this point. Arizona Arizona State. Uh Utah might have to go begrudgingly uh to the Big 12. Would be why you sign me up for the Holy War in 2024 as a Big 12 game. I would love to see it.
1: Yeah, I I mean uh not exactly surprising that the arizona board of regents wouldn't want that to be public um you know i think one thing that i think is worth noting about that is that uh i think a lot of the smoke has mostly been around the university of arizona um, but that board of regents does oversee arizona arizona state and northern arizona so um just just to kind of clarify that the meeting has to do with all of the arizona schools not just the Mm -hmm. university of arizona um and yeah like you said with utah i mean you know there's probably some, I guess you could call it bad blood about having to follow up BYU to the conference. I, I, get over yourself. I mean, this is the new reality of college football. I mean, if the Big Ten is looking at, you know, schools like Florida State and Clemson for expansion potentially, or, or, or Oregon, they've, they're have they getting over themselves. And, and the, you know, the academic standards they've kind of held themselves to in the past, not to, not to like uh, take a shot at those schools academics-wise, but they're not you know, the, the big 10 in the past, that's, you know, presented an obstacle for school for a lot of schools. Um, but yeah, I mean, it brings
0: up an interesting point before we move on to uh, Dan Lanning. Um, I, I can remember back, I believe it was around 2010, 20, 2009, maybe Texas, Oklahoma, Oklahoma state, Texas tech, a bunch of these schools talking about going to the pack and it's going to be the big 12 that ends the pack or it could be uh, very interesting, just a, My, 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 how the turntables, as the great Michael Scott uh, would say. Now, let's talk about Dan Lanning, Oregon. Um, Was this an unnecessary shot at Colorado, or uh, is there there some bad blood there? Maybe uh, some recruiting trail um, friction? I don't
1: know. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, so for those of you that haven't seen uh, Dan Lanning at his press conference at Oregon Media Day to open up fall camp the other day, uh, they asked him about Colorado leaving. And he said, I'm paraphrasing, but basically he's like, I don't really have a reaction to it. I mean, they've been around the league for a while. And what do they what have they won? What do they have to show for it? I can't remember anything. Uh, I mean, look. Shouldn't really be surprising that this is the the way that people are kind of acting about it. I mean, Dion has kind of come in and, and upended everything, um, you know, sort of the status quo across the board. Certainly rubbed not just coaches in the Pac-12, but coaches in other conferences. It's rubbed them the wrong way as well. Um, so, you know, to come in and, and not to say that Dion was like leading the charge of the move to the Big 12. But he was certainly, you know, as a Texas guy, he was certainly in favor of it. Uh, so, yeah, I think the way everything has played out, I'm sure, has sort of left a sour taste in everyone's mouths, and they're all kind of feeling the anxiety. Look, there's kind of cope going on with what Lanning said, but also, like, you can't really argue with him. I mean, they've been in the league since 2011. They've had one winning season, aside from the 2020 season in which they only played, like, six games. Um, they've only had one winning season in conference play, and they lost to Oregon in the Pac-12 championship that year. So. You know, he, he makes a valid point, I guess. But, you know, certainly trying to convince everyone he's a little less mad than he is, I think.
0: Yeah, somebody's mad. Uh, <laughs> Pat Narduzzi in the ACC is certainly mad. He
1: is he is uh, very
0: mad. Uh, there, there's a lot of bad blood going around. I, You know, at first, I mean, it raised my eyebrow a little bit. It's like, whoa, okay, there's some bad blood there. Uh, I, I didn't think – Now, I need to see the Colorado Oregon matchup just because (laughs) I've got to see this. Um, But here, moving on to the next thing I wanted to talk about. So much of this, and and, uh, our colleague Brian Floyd, who uh, made note of this, this is a time of year that we should be talking about other things, not realignment, not conference mergers, not grant of rights deal. This is the time of year that we're hyping up players. Who's going to win the Heisman? All that. I think the preseason talk kind of with this realignment talk, one should be discussed more than the other. And, and I'm not talking about realignment. I'm talking about getting ready for the 2023 college football season, uh, the final year of the 14 playoff before we expand. And all we can talk about right now is which team's going to which conference. And that doesn't even come into play until 2024 at the earliest.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, when it comes to this kind of thing the sport just really loves shooting itself in the foot i mean it's it's august it's august 2nd we're supposed to be talking about football it's football time like you know fall camps are getting underway the first games are in like 3 weeks like it's t- that that's what should be the focus of the conversation but because of the way this league just the sport as a whole structures the release of news it, it's not and this happened last year too by the way if you remember Right before the season started, they broke the news about the about uh, USC and UCLA going to the Big Ten and about uh, college football playoff expansion to uh, 12 teams. That all broke right before the start of the 2022 season. It completely overshadows it. And like, I'm not the first to make this point, but the NFL has figured this out. Like the NFL has a strict timetable for everything and they have it set up. So we're not talking about boring procedural legal developments on August 2nd.
0: Absolutely. And let's not forget uh, what broke on day one of the SEC media days last year, Oklahoma, Texas, going to the SEC, uh, which we thought was going to happen in two years. It turns out it was only a year. All those things. Uh, But let's get back to what I was talking about. Preseason talk. That's my next one. And I'm going to talk about the Texas Longhorns uh, because we should be talking about is Texas back? Tyler thinks so. We've talked about this on the podcast before. There's a lot to like about Texas this year. Now, they're going to have targets on their back, but what is that any different than the other season? They're a team that's always televised. They're a team that everybody wants to talk about, and they've got a really good – I think they have a really good team this year. Uh, do I buy in as in they are back? They're, they're back to national relevancy? I don't know, but that's the fun of it. We don't know. We get to watch – You know, but we're not even talking about that because we're worried about who's going to be the final death load of the Pac-12 – Tyler, looking at Texas going into this season, who is that one player that can make or break Texas being back in the upcoming season?
1: Yeah. You know, I think I'll actually mention a guy that I, I called my defensive uh, preseason MVP for the big 12, Jalen Catalan. Look coming in from Arkansas. He is the X factor on this team. I think I, I expect the Texas offense is going to be pretty solid this year. I think, even if even if Quinn Ewers isn't that guy for whatever reason, they've got enough talent in that room. I mean, they, they'll Steve Sarkeesian's a good offensive coach. They'll figure that side of the ball out. But this defense needs to get better. And Catalan's a guy that if he's healthy, if he plays the way he did his first couple of seasons at Arkansas, the defense is going to get better. It'll make a noticeable difference. And that might be the thing that kind of takes this team from being a top four team in the conference to being the, I think, definitively best team in the conference, which from a talent perspective, I think it is.
0: I'll say Jonathan Brooks, running back. Uh, We saw him a little bit. He's a guy I watched in high school run all over these kids down in Texas. Uh, He's a guy that I really like. And because you're having to replace a B. John Robinson, yeah, you have a Don Mitchell, A.D. Mitchell coming in from Georgia. you got wide receiver Palooza. You have the quarterbacks. But I really think it's the running back room that can really shine this year. Um, And that's who I'm looking at, mostly because, well, you took the defensive guy I'm going to go offense. Uh, especially running backs, because running backs do, in fact, matter, despite what the NFL tries to tell you. Uh, what is the other big topic that I want to get into preseason talk? Hey, is Jimbo ever going to put a date on that blank trophy? That's the big question I'm asking right now.
1: Um, I swear to God, in all seriousness, the only thing I wrote in my notes for this section was LOL. Um, uh, it, LOL. <laughs> I don't want to be entirely dismissive. Look, look, I, like, I don't want to be entirely dismissive. Like, I I think that more likely than not, this ends up being, like, a fine season for Texas A&M. I don't think – I think five and seven was a bit of an aberration. I, I think they'll probably be back in that sort of seven, eight win, maybe even nine win range this year. I mean, to me, just the most interesting thing that could – I mean, the – I almost feel like there's been so much news that we just still kind of forget that Bobby Petrino is this team's offensive coordinator. And, like, I have no idea how that's going to work out. You've got two of the biggest egos in college football both vying to – yeah, exactly. You've got two of the biggest egos in college football vying for power. We don't even know what his job description looks like because Jimbo won't tell us, and he deflects every time he gets asked about it. I mean, this team has the potential to blow up in one of the funniest ways we've ever seen this year. But I don't think that's probably going to happen.
0: And and for those of you that are not watching the video version and you're only checking out the audio, I was dropping the air quotes (laughs) uh, when he was talking about offense coordinator. That would be the funniest thing of all with the way that Connor Wegman played last year. (laughs) They go back to Max Johnson as their starting quarterback this year. Uh, That that would – I would laugh a lot uh, if that were to happen. Uh, But I do want to get back to the Pac-12 because – Lost in all of the expansion talk, the realignment, the implosion of the conference. The Pac-12 well, was interesting. They have the greatest collection of quarterbacks, I think, in the country, uh, pound for pound. When you talk about Michael Pennick Jr., uh, Bo Nix. Oh, uh, did I mention they have the reigning Heisman Trophy winning quarterback Caleb Williams? Uh, and there are uh, DJ, I'm going to let Tyler say it because I always mess it up, DJU. They have quarterbacks up and down. I mean, and I didn't even get into Jaden DeLoria uh, and, and Jaden Rashada and some of these other names that you could see this year. Am I wrong, Pac-12, quarterback no. you? Uh, quarterback conference, I
1: should say. Yeah. I mean, I honestly, I can't help feel a little, a little bit betrayed by this conference because I feel like I'm out here, out here stumping for this league. I'm driving the PAC 12 hype train. I'm trying to sell people on it and they just can't even match that with like a baseline level of confidence from an administrative perspective. It's a real bummer, man. Like the, this league has been so generally speaking, so irrelevant for the past seven year. I mean, it, it's been a long time since they've really had a team that was in that mix and I think they have several this year that not only could be, but will be like you said, there's so many good quarterbacks and it's the best quarterback league in the country, like far and away. And, and pretty much all these rosters are improving. The trajectories are good and none of it matters because all we're worried about are the existential problems that they have. And we're worried about what conference is Oregon state going to be playing in, in 2025. And it's, it's a shame because there's, there's a lot of good teams that, could have really interesting and and fun years and no one's going to care because the off the field stuff is just so overbearing.
0: Right. And it kind of frustrates me because I want to talk about who's got the best wide receiver trio in the country. Is it Washington? Is it Ohio state or is it Texas? That's what I want to talk about. Those are the debates that I want to get into, but instead we're talking about realignment because that's what's commanding the headlines, you know, but really, honestly, if, if, and we are going to get back into realignment talk, and I do apologize for that, but we have to get to this topic. What does the Pac-12 implosion mean for the college football playoff? Now, beyond 2025 or the 2025 season, there is no contract signed right now. But for 2024, they are expecting six conference champions to be in this, the five power five and the highest group of five. But if there is no Pac-12 in the 2024 season, How do they go about putting together a 12-team playoff? Because it was built on a model of six and six.
1: It's a really good question. Uh, I mean, I don't think when they made this model that they thought there was any likelihood that the Pac-12 would cease to exist in 2024. Uh, But now that looks like it could be a possibility. I mean, I I just... I want to try to speculate and like come up with potential ideas, but it's just hard to say because there's just so much uncertainty about what is even going to happen, whether this league will exist. I mean, so like you said, you know, you've got the six spots sort of set away for, for the conference, the six highest ranked conference champions. You could keep that system. I mean, you, there's no rule that says the PAC 12 has to be one of those six. I mean, you could just keep it and maybe the Sunbelt winner or the American winner or Whatever unholy mashup of the Pac-12 and Mountain West comes into existence, you know you could have a that champion make it. I think more likely than not, they would probably reduce it to five and add another at-large bid. Because at the end of the day, whoever that at-large team would be is going to bring more attention than whoever that extra non-power conference champion would be. Um, but like I said, <clears throat> right now, there's just so much speculation and so much up in the air. It's just really hard to say but I'm sure they didn't uh, anticipate having to rework the system already before it's even began.
0: That is for certain. It could be another group of five team, probably not. I would think one is enough for the to. as far as the champions go. Uh, We could see multiple group of five once the at-large bids uh, are expanded to six. Uh, But there is something going on in the state of Iowa, I think we might want to talk about. Uh, it has come out a hundred decades. <clears throat> Quarterback of Iowa State uh, has been accused of tampering uh, when it comes to the investigation of the state of Iowa, uh, which has named several Iowa and Iowa State players, including the kicker of Iowa, uh, betting the under on the Seahawks game. <laughs> That's a smart move. That is easy money. He actually lost uh, that bet,
1: though. They hit the over. Ooh. ooh.
0: Yeah, that's tough. I, th- I figured that they nailed it.
1: I mean, okay. we're talking about Iowa
0: offense. but uh, Now, the the deal with, with Hunter Deckers and, and he, you know, he put out a statement through his lawyers uh, through various social media channels and, and basically said until its investigation is done, uh, he can't report to fall camp. And my question is, did he originate the whole, I can't report to fall camp, or did the school say, uh, you can't come to fall camp until this is dealt with? Uh, But either way, this is just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to the gambling. And we already saw what it did to Alabama having to go with a new baseball coach uh, after they found out that their coach was betting on games.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, this isn't the first time we've seen this, obviously. um, But it's it's a pretty serious situation. And and just to clarify, he's not just – Facing potential permanent inel- ineligibility, he's been charged with the crime, so he's he's um, you know facing criminal charges. He uh, this is just one of those situations where, like I said, he, this is probably the most high profile we've seen uh, at least when it comes to a player. Like obviously the Brad Bohannon thing was a pretty big deal, but when it comes to a player violating it, you know, sitting starting quarterback. If Decker's is convicted, obviously he'll lose his eligibility. Uh, this is I, I don't look. I don't have anything against online gambling. I, I don't want it to sound like I'm like taking an anti gambling stance here. Like we cover gambling, we have gambling partners or have, have, have had gambling partners in the past. So like, you know, it, I don't want to sound hypocritical with this, but like, this is just a situation where the NCAA, I, I said something about this on Twitter, like they, they just have to come down hard on these situations. It, you can't, Look, he, he put down – it wasn't just like he bet on one game, by the way. He put on – they approximate 366 online wagers, uh, total value of nearly three grand. And he bet on ISU games. You can't do that. The And the rules couldn't be more clear. You're not allowed to bet on not only your sport. You're not allowed to bet on any sport on any level that the NCAA offers. If the NCAA offers basketball, you can't bet on high school basketball. That's just the rule. I mean, like I said, I, I rarely support the NCAA when they act like petty tyrants, but, but in this case, they absolutely have to because you have to send a message. It's way too easy in the age of gambling, and as more states continue to legalize online sports betting, this is only going to become more pronounced. I mean, this is really just the tip of the iceberg, and I'm sure we're going to find a lot more high-profile players. By the way, former Iowa player, currently with the Denver Broncos, among the players suspended by the NFL for betting on NFL games, is also facing criminal charges uh, in Iowa for betting on uh, Iowa games so i mean this is just a really widespread widespread uh, problem in these states where it's legal
0: yeah you know the interesting part is the ncaa is very clear in their bylaws uh if you if you wager 200 or less they go over the sports wagering rules and you have to go through prevention education uh if it's between 201 dollars and 500 not only do you have to go over the rules the education but you lose 10 percent of your season's eligibility if it goes beyond 500 to 800, 20%. Anything greater than 800 is a loss of 30%. However, the caveat I will bring up, that if you wager on your sport that you play in, uh, or it is gone. You're done. Like, if, you, if you're betting on your team, you're done. A- and to me, it kind of feels like, Hunter Deckers might be done if he Did in fact bet on his own uh, Team uh, as, as the Reports have shown uh, and You know it's funny because even with the Kicker that we kind of uh, Mentioned at Iowa uh,
1: Was using his mom's account Deckers was, uh, I believe Deckers I, I don't want to Misspeak here but I did read a report I believe That he was kind of doing it at the behest of His parents is what it seemed. Is what seemed to Be the case from what I was reading so
0: regardless, you cannot, yeah. I mean, in their laws and their rules and, you know, hundred oh, percent, I, yeah. we agree. Right. The NCAA is, can be a joke at times. Right. Uh, but in their laws, they basically say you cannot make a bet or provide information that will lead to a bet uh, in the industry. I believe they call that
1: insider trade. Yeah. I mean, it really is no different. Like anyone who's trying to defend it or be like, who cares? It's not a big deal. I mean that they really are missing the point. Like it, it, is fraud. Like you can't, you can't bet on something that you have insider knowledge of, even if you're betting on it, yourself,
0: like, especially if it messes with the integrity of the sport. Exactly.
1: It, and I mean, like I said, it's obviously it's, it looks a lot worse if you like bet against your own team, because then it could look like you're doing like you know point shaving or that kind of thing. But like, it doesn't even matter. You can't like, if you have information at practice that other people don't have, that's you're committing fraud. Like that, that is literally what insider trading is. Yep. And absolutely the fallout of this it all boils down
0: to, uh, I feel like it's going to get worse before it gets better. The NFL is dealing with it. College is yep. dealing with it. It's only a matter of time before they start gambling on high school games.
1: Yeah, uh, and this is just one of those things that they're going to have to work through as it becomes more prominent and more legal across the board. I'm sure it'll mellow out, but in the time being, for the time being, it's going to be a real problem. It will be a major problem. But that's going to do it for this edition
0: of the College 12-pack uh, we are taking a uh, one-week hiatus next week, but we will be back just in time the following week. To get you ready for week zero of the college football season. I'm excited to say that week zero. It's uh, probably going to talk heavy no- Notre Dame versus Navy in Dublin, Ireland. A uh, lot to get into as we do all that. But for Tyler, I'm back. See you next week.